You excited? Christmas is coming. Ready or not, Christmas is here. Right? Someone told me this morning, I said, I'm not ready. I said, well, you better get ready because it's not waiting on you. Right? And man, it's busy, isn't it? How many of you just been like last? Okay, let's, let's just get, let's, let me see how honest you are this morning. How many of you are finished shopping for Christmas? Raise your hand. Come on, that's good. How many of you, <laughs> I could tell by who didn't raise their hand, but I'm going to make you raise your hand anyway. How many of you still got some last-minute shopping to do? Come on, don't be embarrassed. It's okay. Right? We're up high. Come on, up high. All right. That's okay. It's okay. You'll make it. Just don't lose control in the process. All right? Don't run nobody over with your car. Okay? You're going to make it. It's going to be fine. You know what's cool about Christmas is, Christmas has a lot to do with gifts, right? I mean, this is a time of the year where stores make a lot of money. This is pretty much their Super Bowl of the year for the most part. And, and there's gifts being bought all over the place, gifts being wrapped everywhere you look. And, and there's children with anticipation, right? Uh, little Z this morning, um, Kristen's daughter, I said, I said, what do you want for Christmas? She said, a car. I said, cool. I said, like, you know, like one of those little, those little cars? She's like, no. I was like, you want like a real car? Yeah. I said, really? But then after I got a little better understanding, it was a pink car, a little smaller for kids. I said, okay. So, but kids are anticipating opening up gifts. And, and so we give the gifts and we buy presents and all these things. And, and why do we do that? Why is Christmas about gifts? I mean, come on, you ask that question when you're last minute shopping and you're going, God, why does Christmas have to be about gifts? So why is Christmas about gifts? Because it's a tradition that God started when he gave the first gift to us. Amen. He started it. So if you're mad about the gifts, take it up with God. That's all you got to do and tell me if you win. But so this morning, we're, con- we're finishing up our series. We've been talking about Christmas gifts, and we've been talking about the gift of hope. We've talked about the gift of peace. And last week, we talked about the gift of joy. And these are all gifts that are found in the big gift called Jesus, right? And so the- this morning, the title of my message this morning is the greatest gift you'll ever receive. And the greatest gift you'll ever receive is Jesus Christ himself. I want to give you a verse that really sums this up. It's John 3.16. I know you don't know that verse, but it's John 3.16. Only football players know this verse. And it says this. It says that God so loved the world. And by the way, it starts with love. It always starts with love. God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Wow. So God loved you. So much that he gave his only son for you. God started the tradition. The reason we give gifts at Christmas is because it's what God did to us. Amen. He gave because he loved. Here's an interesting uh, statement for you. You may want to write this down. You can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. Right? Some of you this Christmas are given a gift and there just ain't much love behind it. Come on, let's just get honest this morning. You see them, you take this gift, you better like this gift. 
<laughs> I'm not going to make you raise your hand on that one. But, but you cannot love without giving. Romans 8.32 says that since God did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, then, then, we, then can we not expect that with him, Jesus, God will freely give us all his gifts. Say all. You see, there's a couple key words in that verse. The first word we see is expect. He says this, he says, then can we not expect that with Jesus, God will freely, come on somebody, freely. You can't earn the gift. You can't work for the gift. You're not good enough for the gift already. Come on. He's going to freely give you all his gifts. Man, that ought to free somebody up this morning. So what he's saying is that you need to be expecting that God is going to freely give you all of his gifts. It shouldn't be a surprise that you can have joy. It shouldn't be a surprise that you can have peace. It shouldn't be a surprise that you can be free from whatever happened to you in your past. You should expect it, the Bible says. You need to expect God's good gifts. All of God's gifts are wrapped in the big gift of Jesus Christ. So let me ask you a question. You ever get one of those funky Christmas gifts where you open up the box and there's another gift inside? Right? And then you open up that gift and there's another gift inside that one? Now, if there's actually a gift inside every box, it's a good joke, okay? But if there's not, it's like a bummer, right? Well, here's the deal. So when you receive God's gift called Jesus Christ, the big gift, when you come into a relationship with him, you open the box and you look inside and there are smaller gifts inside. There's more gifts. And as you grow in your relationship with Jesus, he peels back the gifts. You get a little hope. Come on, somebody. You get a little joy, right? You get some peace. Oh, I can, oh, I can, I got peace. Wow. Peace. I haven't had that in 14 years. I believe there's some of you today that have never received the big gift of Jesus. And my hope is that while I'm preaching this message and I'm, I'm telling you the word of God, that the Holy Spirit moves on you and you just say, you know what? I need that gift. I need that gift. So what happens when I accept the good gift of Jesus? What goes on? What happens after that? When I've received Jesus as my Lord and Savior, I get God's big old gift. What happens after that? That's what I want to talk to you about this morning. You've heard it said that the spirit of Christmas is what? People say the spirit of Christmas is giving. Right? Is that true? I need to know if I just lied. Somebody, have you heard that before? Three of you. I got to get a better example next time. But that's not true. The, the spirit of Christmas is not giving. The spirit of gift of Christmas is receiving. Because you see, you can't give away what you've never received. Come on. If you've never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, it's hard to give away love. It's impossible to give away joy. It's impossible to give away peace. 
if you've never received it. The spirit of Christmas is that you receive what God has given you so that you can turn around and re-gift it. Amen? So let me show you this morning four gifts. I just want to take four. There's, there's probably 50 or 60 gifts that we get when we receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. But I want to talk about four of them this morning. And number one, I've been given a new identity. So when I came into this relationship with Jesus and I accepted him as my Lord and Savior, I now have a gift called a new identity. If you knew my past, you would say, you need a new identity. Right? I mean, I can't wait till one day they, they re-invite me to my, my uh, school reunion. Because I won best hair in my senior year. So that's going to be funny. And at that time, I was a hoodlum. Right? I mean, I was no good. And everybody knew it. So I can't wait to go back with no hair. And they asked me, well, so what do you do? I'm a preacher. <laughs> and I'm married, been married for 17 years. I got three kids and a lot to be happy about. So I've been given a new identity. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, when someone accepts Christ, he becomes a brand new person inside. Hallelujah. I become a brand new person inside. I mean, in other words, I get the new car smell again. Come on, I smell better, right? I'm a brand new person inside. He is, not, he is not the same anymore. A new life has begun. You know, you get that just by receiving the gift that God gives you of called Jesus Christ. Come on, isn't that good? I get to be a brand new person. I get a new identity. The old man, one version of the Bible says, the old man is dead. It should read, the old man is dead. You know what dead is. Dead is like when you're dead, dead, right? That thing's dead. Come on, you're from South Louisiana. Don't act like you're all proper. The old man is dead. The new man has come. The Bible says we get this new life and it begun. And that's good news. That excites me. Do you know where your true identity comes from? Do you know what your true identity is? You see, because some of us have grown up with parents who tried to make us what they wanted us to be. You see, the greatest crime in America right now is identity theft. And it's not just the world, it's the enemy trying to steal your identity. You know how he does it? He does it with people putting pressure on you to feel like you need to be a certain way, act a certain way, respond a certain way, dress a certain way, do your hair a certain way. You see, I bowed out of that game. You, you just, you follow me? So people put pressure on you. Society puts pressure on you. The culture puts pressure on you. Media puts pressure on you. You look at Facebook too much, you start getting depressed because you go, everybody's doing good except me. Well, the truth is, is most people are lying about how good it is and they're only putting the highlights and they're not showing you what's breaking down on the backside. So you get underneath this pressure that I got to now be somebody else. I got to act like I got it together. I got to be like so-and-so because, oh, he had 3,000 likes or whatever. You follow what I'm saying? So media puts this pressure on you to be something that you were never called to be. 
And then sometimes we find our identity in wrong places. Sometimes we find it in our profession. When people ask you the question or you introduce yourself, hey, I'm Jamie, I'm a concrete contractor. You see, I used to find my identity that I was a business owner and a pastor. I used to think people would think more highly of me because I I had two things going on at the same time. Little did they know it was killing me at the same time. I was living in an identity that didn't belong to me. Come on. Where do you find your identity? Is it found in Jesus Christ? Can you be okay with just being a child of God? Is that enough? Is that enough? You see, because when you receive that, that all I have to be is a child of God, that takes all this weight that the world and maybe your parents and your friends and people and all these other things that put on you, it takes that weight off of you. And you go, you know what? I don't have to be like you. I'm me. There's only one me on the planet. Some of you should have said, praise God. There's only one. The world can't handle anymore. I didn't say that privately. So I've been given a new identity. How many of you, how many, let me ask you a question. Have you ever just gotten to a point in life where you just go, man, can I just get a do-over? Some people call it a mulligan, right? Can you just say, man, God, can I just start over? The good news is, is you can. You can. You're a brand new person. The old man's dead and the new man has come to life. Romans 12, 2 says this, says to let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will know what God wants you to do, his good, pleasing, and perfect will for your life. Notice that the first important word in that whole verse is let. It didn't say become. It didn't say work hard so that. It simply says let. Some of you need a little let experience this morning. Let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. It says, then you will know what God wants you to do. His good, pleasing, and perfect will for your life. So you've been given this new identity and in this identity, you find that you're called to do something while you're on this planet. And it's not a drudgery kind of thing. It's not a burdensome kind of thing. It's actually a good, pleasing, perfect thing. Let me, let me break that down for you a little bit. He says it's good because he is only good. God's plan for you is good because he is only good. He doesn't have bad plans for you. He's not out to get you. He's not out to throw a rock in front of you because he's mad at you. He's not like that. He does not work like that. He does not condemn you. He's not trying to make you feel worse than the devil's already making you feel. God doesn't deal with you with condemnation. He deals with you with conviction. And in most cases, it's with the soft voice of the Holy Spirit. He's good. So his will for your life is good because he is good. Then the Bible says that it's pleasing. Come on, somebody. To do the work of God, to do what you're called to do, it should please you. 
you should find pleasure in God's will. Right? You should be excited to do what God asks you to do. Right? You should get up in the morning like you just got a new job and you're like, man, woo, your dream job. It should be pleasing to you. And then number three, it's perfect. You know why it's perfect? (laughs) Because it's his will and not yours. (laughs) Amen. Bump your neighbor and say, I told you, it's his, not mine. So you've been given a new identity. Number two, you've been given a new ability. He gives you a new ability. Romans 5, 5 says that God has poured out his love into our hearts by means of the Holy Spirit, who is God's gift to us. So God gives us this gift called the Holy Spirit. He gives us Jesus and he gives us the Holy Spirit. Right? You remember, he's giving us a new ability. In other words, we're going to be able to do what we could not do before. Right? The new man can do what the old man could never do. Are you tracking with me? Why? Because the old man is dead. The new man is alive. Dead people can't do anything. Right? But new people, live people can do anything. So he's given us this new ability and he gives it to us in the form of the Holy Spirit. So he gives us the gift of the Holy Spirit. And then Philippians chapter 2, it says that now God works in you, giving you both the desire and the ability to fulfill his, great, his good purpose for you. What? Did you catch that? Now God works in you. Watch this. Giving you. In other words, this is what he's giving you. Both the desire and the ability to do his good work. Does that sound a little funny to you? That God actually gives you the desire and the ability? You see, I've always thought that I should have my own desire to please God. It should be something that just flows out of me because it's something that comes from me. It's my desire. But the Bible says that he gives me that desire and that ability. So he gives me the Holy Spirit to make me able to do what I couldn't do before. And then he gives me some desire, the desire and the ability. You tracking? To fulfill his good purpose for me. Then 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God does not give us a spirit of fear, but instead he fills us with power, love, and self-discipline. So he gives us the Holy Spirit as a gift. In the Holy Spirit, we see we get the desire and the ability, right? And then he gives us what? Power, love, and self-discipline. Not self-motivation. Come on, not self-help, but self-discipline. These are all gifts. They're actually fruits of the Spirit. He gives us these things for us to do what? His good work, which should be what? Pleasing to us. It pleases us to please Him. You should be pleased to please the Father. It should be your good pleasure to bring pleasure to his heart. You should be excited to one day hear, good job. I'm proud of you. And you know what? 
I think we believe that that's only for when we get to heaven. But I want to tell you something today. I hear God saying to the people of the church, I love you. I'm proud of you. You keep going. You're doing a good job. Pick your chin up, baby. You got this. Come on, man. You can do this. You can lead that family, right? But if we're not listening, we never get to hear that. You see, he's for us. So he gives us the Holy Spirit. He gives us desire and ability. Then he fills you with power, love, and self-discipline. I guess you could say he gives you everything you need to do what he wants you to do. I mean, is there anything else you can find in here that you would need to muster up? Seriously? You are seriously a new person. Because the old man had no desire to please God. The old man had no power and the old man had no love. So you've been made brand new and in this brand new person, you have the Holy Spirit, you got desire, you got ability, you got power, you got love and you got self-discipline. Some of you going to need that for that Christmas dinner. I noticed I said some of you. So number one, God gives us a new identity. Number two, I've been given a new ability. I can do what I used to not be able to do. You know, when people used to come to the old man called Jamie and tell me that they were hurting or that they were going through something, old Jamie would just walk away. I said, well, good. You need to go tell somebody about that and get yourself some help. Just being serious. Well, I hope it works out for you. But you know what? In the new man, I find myself when people say I'm hurting or you look at somebody and you can see that something's happened to them. There's this desire inside of me to want to help. I just want to help. When we brought gifts to those people this week, I just wanted to help. You hear me? I just, there, was, there was a different desire inside of me that the old man didn't possess. And it was a desire to see people healed, set free. Come on. To see people with hope, with joy. I've been given a new ability. Number three, I've been given a new community. Isn't that good? I've been given a new community. Ephesians 1, 4 to 5 says, because of his love, God's unchanging plan has always been to adopt us into his family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. So God's the good, good father, right? Yes, he is. Yes, he is. You just sang that song, right? He's the good, good father. You know what his plan is for us? Is that when we're lost through Jesus, he takes Jesus and he brings us in to his nest. We get to come home. We've been adopted. We now belong to his family. That's called salvation. You were, you were out there and you were lost and you belonged to the enemy. And because of Jesus, you've been brought back into the house and you've been adopted. The papers are signed. All the universe agrees that you now belong to the family of God. He gives you a new community. If you're not enjoying that community, it's your own fault. Because let me tell you something. What you were missing in your natural family, God gives you in spiritual family. 
The encouragement you never received as a kid can be found in the community of God. The relationships and the, and the dearness and the, and the communion with people that you long for is in the house of God. It's in the community of God. It's in the family that you've been adopted into. So you, baby, you can either walk into the house and enjoy the family or you can sit outside and you can day. And never get to enjoy what God's given you. You know what I love to see as a pastor? I love to see people connecting away from Sunday. See, man, I go and say, hey, man, how was you? Oh, man, I had lunch with so-and-so from church. Man, that dude's cool. I'm like, yeah, I told you he was cool. Right? I just love to see the connections. And when you really look good, you can see that people that are bent this way usually end up connecting with people that are bent this way. And that's, that makes that verse that iron sharpens iron. So one man sharpens another come true. Because you get the people that are bent opposite ways and God puts them together. And there's some friction called a relationship. Anybody experience that? And then God starts sharpening you. You've been given a new community. You had no choice what family you were born into. But by God, you have the choice of what family you belong to. You can choose to belong to the family or not. But the truth is, is that it's been given to you. It's been given to you. Galatians 3.28 says that in Christ's family, there are no divisions between Jew and non-Jew or slave and free or male and female. Instead, we're all equal in a common relationship with Jesus Christ. In this community, there's no racism. In this community, there's no poor and rich. In God's family, in this family you've been adopted to, we have all things in common. There's no hierarchy. You with me? There's no, oh, you're the low man on the totem pole. You're the new one to the family, so you got to earn your right. There's none of that. There's no skin color differences. Come on, somebody. There's unity found. There's commonality found in the relationship with Jesus Christ. The thing that makes us common and that keeps us bound together is Jesus. I love what's going on in our churches right now as we're starting to see the, the, the racial divide break down. Pastor Zach's doing an incredible job in Crowley. He's connected with a black pastor in town. The black pastor's two sons play on the worship team at OSC Crowley. This pastor fell in love with Pastor Zach and he came for one of their first services. And His service starts an hour after ours does in Crowley. He came for the first service and sat in and did not leave until church was over. He missed his own service. I, th- I met another pastor in town today, this week, not today. And his church, it's just got the colors of God in it. It's mixed. And it's not just black and white, everybody. 
There's more colors in the spectrum than just black and white. There's brown. Come on, all you Hispanics, it's brown. I got a little Hispanic in me. It's red, a little Indian, right? So I'm excited about what's going to happen in our churches. I am praying and believing God for the racial barriers to fall in this city where people of every color, of every tribe can come together and worship the same God with the same thing in common, and that's a relationship with Jesus Christ. Why? Because we have a new community. And the other reason why is because you better get used to it because we're all going to spend eternity together anyway. Right? So we've been given a new community. Are you glad about that? Number four, I've been given a new destiny. Hallelujah. I've been given a new destiny. First Peter 1 Peter 1.4 says that God has reserved. Say reserved. For his children, a priceless gift of eternal life. It's reserved for you. You've got reservations. Come on. You're not excited about that. Can somebody just say something? You've got reservations in eternity. In heaven. Streets of gold. Come on, somebody. You're still not excited about that. Dear goodness. A priceless gift of eternal life. It is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay. In other words, it can't be taken from you. And it's not going to decay. Your car is breaking down in the parking lot right now. That dress you got on, and as pretty as it is, is getting old as we speak. Your gift in heaven is not decaying. It's not getting old. It's been reserved for you for the day that you go and you get to enjoy it. Amen. Amen. You have a new destiny. Your destiny before you opened up the package called Jesus Christ was death, hell, and the grave. But because you've become a new person and you belong to a new community, come on somebody. You now have a new destiny. Your destination is different than what it was. You ever use a GPS and the GPS gets lost? Right? Make a legal U-turn at the next available place. I thank God for that U-turn because I was heading the wrong way. And I get to make a U-turn and I get to head the right way. And now I'm going to get to my destination that is good, that is reserved. My name's written in the book. I don't have to sign it when I get there. It's already written. Romans 6.23 says, The free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus Our Lord, we've been given a gift, a new destiny called heaven. I mean, does he not give us everything that we need? Is not all the goodness of God wrapped in the present called Jesus Christ? 
You know how? Because before you met Jesus, before you opened up your life to his and you received this gift from God, you had no other gifts. You were empty handed. And because you opened the gift, all these other gifts are inside. And they're gifts that you need. They're gifts that he wants you to enjoy. You need to enjoy your new life. You need to enjoy this new identity. You need to enjoy the community of God. Come on. You need to enjoy all the gifts that God gives you. Enjoy them and use them. Don't let them rot on the shelf. Because he knows we need them. Doesn't he? He knows we need them. I want to finish up with this prayer from Ephesians. I just want you to listen to this. It says that I pray that Christ will be more and more at home in your hearts as you trust him. May your roots go down deep into the soil of God's marvelous love. And I pray you will be able to feel and understand how long, how wide, how deep, and how high God's love for you really is. And to experience this love for yourself, though it is, it is so great, you'll never fully understand it. So Paul's praying for the church. He's praying, I pray that you get into a place and your roots go deep and you can start to understand. We just get a, we just get a glimpse we just get to start to understand how deep, how wide, how high the love of God is for us. And it's so great, but you'll never fully understand it. But let me tell you something. He says, you peel back the layers and you get to experience more of his love. I think the greatest lie of the enemy is that God doesn't love you. I see people in the church all the time who don't believe that God loves them. And it's a lie. It's a lie. He loves you. It's deep. It's wide. And it's high. And what he's saying to you this morning as a church, listen to me, our Savior's church. He's proud of you. He's proud of you. Renee, he's proud of you. He loves you. You're his daughter. You're a princess. Seth, he's proud of you, man. He loves you. He's with you. He's putting the wind in your back. He's a good father. He loves you, man. Miss Kathy, he loves you. He's proud of you. You're awesome. Miss Clara, he loves you. He knows your heart. He sees your heart and he's proud of you.
He's proud of this church. Becky, he's proud of how far you've come. God loves you. And the enemy tried to steal you. And he tried to destroy you. And he's throwing everything he can at you. All your relationships, life. He tried to take the breath out of you. But God came in and he rescued you, didn't he? And he breathed new life into you, didn't he? And he's proud of you. You're his daughter. And you are loved by him. And he blessed you with a grandbaby. Beautiful grandbaby. Beautiful. Not beautiful. Beautiful. Couldn't even get it out right. He loves you. He's proud of you. You're doing good. That's for all of us. Dean, he's proud of you, man. He knows how hard you work. In fact, he's spending more time trying to slow you down than he is trying to speed you up. That's just the truth, isn't it? He's saying, Dean, I just got this grace that I want you to enjoy. Just enjoy it. I just speak grace, grace over you, Dean. I'm proud of you, man. I'm glad to call you my friend. He loves us. He's good to us. And he knows where you're at. And listen to me, you can be believing a lie right now. You can be thinking that you're no good and you can be thinking, well, how can a God that loves me do this and let this and let that happen? He loves you and he's with you. And his goodness is for us. Amen. So this morning I want to do something. Worship team, can you come up? We're going to play that song, Good, Good Father, again. And I'm not in a hurry. We can stay all day. I just want you to not leave here today and not experience God's love. I don't want you to leave here today and continue to believe the lie that that the enemy has spoken over you when it's not the truth that God only has good for you because he's a good God. And his will for your life is good, pleasing, and perfect. In other words, he wants you to enjoy his goodness. He wants you to find pleasure in what you do. And it's perfect. It's tailor-made just for you. This morning, I just want to open up the altars. And if you're here and, and you feel the Holy Spirit tugging on your heart, I just invite you to come up and just, just pray. Just ask God whatever you need to do right here. And we'll take our time. And if you're in a hurry and you got to leave, you can slip out the back door. That's no problem. Would you stand up with me this morning?